0: May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be ever acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. I am so happy to be here. Thank you, Serena, so much for inviting me. Um, I am from Nashville. And the Episcopal world is very small, <laughs> so I see a lot of familiar faces. Thank you for having me. Anne Lamott, in her wonderful book on mercy, entitled Hallelujah Anyway, shares a powerful story from her own childhood. A seemingly small moment that changed the trajectory of her life. She was five years old and fishing with her father while her mother was at home with her newborn brother. As she was playing, a fellow fisherman casting his net next to her made a joke about Lamotte's frizzy hair, using a racially derogatory term. And her own father, whom she describes as a civil rights marching dad laughed in response. According to Lamotte, she was no longer the same girl who had clambered into the back seat of their Dodge that morning. What went in the drawer that day besides innocence? The child's assumption that the people who were with one's parents were safe and curiosity. For her, her father's laugh and agreement and embarrassment would give death to her naivete. That innocence we are all born with, the same we lose as we begin to grow up and develop, Hardening our thick patina of worldliness. What Lamotte describes, and what we all certainly experience, is the breakdown of safety. Is the truth that our family and friends and acquaintances, the network of relationships that situate us in the world, have a profound effect on how we interpret the world around us early on. There's a web of unspoken rules and laws, norms and conditions that govern how we learn to act. When Lamotte and her father jumped back in the car to go home and her father sensed that his daughter was angry, he told her she needed to have a thicker skin. Go along with it. Don't show anger. Protect yourself. Because the world is a hard place. And too much fight against the grain will only crush you. That was his answer to the sickness of society. His response to the world's lesson of shame. Here... Lamott points to a basic truth about the development of personal identity during childhood. Our identity is intimately tied into how we are treated and named in the early years. One study I read suggests that for every one negative interaction with the child, there should be five corresponding positive interactions. Children become what we name them. If you call a child bad enough times, it shouldn't come as a surprise that the child will start believing you. Call them worthless, unlovable, worthy of shame, and eventually that child will live into that name, that identity. But if you name the child as worthwhile good, dependable, helpful, worthy of love and kindness, then it shouldn't come as a surprise when that child, too, believes that they are enough and lives into those positive attributes. This is one of the many reasons that I have always been drawn ...to the children's formation program that both the cathedral and you all at St. B's offer. It's called the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. One of the things that makes this Montessori-based catechesis program so special... ...is that it recognizes that in each child there is an inherent spark. A relationship and recognition of the spirit... That can't be taught. It is always there. In our classrooms, we call them atria in the program. The religious life of the child is central. The only teacher is Jesus Christ. And all participants, both children and adults, place themselves in a listening stance before the word of God. And together seek to illuminate the mystery of the liturgical celebration. In light of that, the goal of the facilitator, referred to as the catechist, is to renounce every form of control. Instead, all participants in the atria, children and adults, seek to embrace the questions Of faith together, humbling themselves before Jesus Christ, the teacher. In a word, the entire program is centered in the recognition that we all have in us the ability to sense, recognize, and explore the holy, to know God. Jesus in the gospel today, we read, names this innate holiness. In our reading, Christ is preaching to the masses in his well-known sermon on the mount. You are the salt of the earth, he tells them. You are the light of the world, he preaches. I think that often we hear these words as requirements. You should act like the salt of the earth. You should present yourself as the light of the world, an example to be seen and modeled by others so that you don't serve as a stumbling block to someone else's faith. Of course, this interpretation isn't wrong, Christ obviously exhorts his listeners to exhibit these gifts in this message, but focusing on them as requirements risks missing out on what Jesus is telling the huddled masses about who they already are. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. Jesus doesn't tell them that they should become the salt of the earth if they seek to obtain righteousness. He doesn't tell them to do good deeds so that they can be the light of the world. It's not an ask. It's an affirmation. Christ is naming Who we are as his people, he is recognizing that we all have within us the same type of spark, an inherent capacity for righteousness that we identify in our children in the catechesis program. It is a blessing, a commendation, and ultimately, a commissioning. You are the salt of the earth. That's just the way it is. That's the way it's always been. And that's the way that it will always be because you are a child of God. In the mid-1950s, after the Birmingham bus boycotts, Martin Luther King Jr. spoke about his vision of a beloved community founded in the type of Christian love exhibited by Christ. In his speech, King stressed that the end is reconciliation. The end is redemption. The end is the creation of the beloved community. It is this type of spirit and this type of love that can transform opponents into friends. It is this type of understanding goodwill that will transform the deep gloom of the old age into the exuberant gladness of the new age. It is this love which will bring about miracles in the hearts of men. Christ's power, his ultimate miracle lies in his ability to change hearts. It's a power that finds expression when people experience a deeply felt realization that they are bound together by God's unfailing light. By recognizing that this light was inside them the whole time. It's a power that is manifest in his healing the sick and bringing life to the dead. It is a power that he shows us when he lowers himself to wash the disciples' feet. Even that one who will soon betray him. It's love so great that it can turn enemies into friends. One of our beautiful ceremonies from the catechesis program is called the Liturgy of Light. Your littlest, up through third grade, participate in this each Easter season. During this liturgy, the fire, the light from the Paschal candle, lit from person to person, is literally spread through the nave. It is a visible illustration of the love that serves as an embodiment of Christ's presence within and among the beloved community. The light starts at the Paschal candle and then is passed to candles held by the children. From there, they share it with their neighbors and it spreads to everyone else. And the service ends with the benediction. Let us go in peace, taking the light of Christ into the world. Alleluia, alleluia. This act represents the gift of charitable love among his body so that like his disciples, we can go and share the message of God. You are the light of the world. This is a claim that all of those gathered before Christ hear in his words that we are already equipped to publicly share the joy in his kingdom. You are the salt of the earth. An assurance from the Son of God of who we are, of who we are created to be. Let all that is within you, that is good and holy and lasting, show. Affirm to one another that we all have the capacity to bring joy into the world. Tell your children that they are the light, a creation. It is the very image of God himself, a creation that is made to live into the life of the Spirit. Of course, this isn't always easy. But Jesus never promised us an easy path. Christ's own disciples had to make difficult decision after difficult decision, often leaving their own families for the sake of the kingdom. But a life in the spirit is good. In her book, Anne Lamotte recognizes that we come into this life so generous, alive, unarmored and curious, curious in the best, silliest, most fixated, life-giving way. the challenge for all of us is to recognize that this generosity, this unarmored curiosity is who we are, is who God created us to be. May we all strive to remember what our children already know. May we rekindle that same spirit in ourselves.